Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. In many ways, it wouldn't be a Malcolm X if there wasn't this man first. Let me welcome Dr. Julius Garvey. Hi, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be with you again. Good to see you. How are you? I'm doing fine. Lockdown went fine. <laughs> All right. So are you in the States, in the United States? Or yes, I'm in New York, out okay. on Long Island. Okay, yeah, Long Island is, uh, and you also had a little uh, weather issue yesterday. Absolutely, but the sun is shining. I don't know if you can see my picture. I'm going in and out of the shadows. Yeah, sun always comes after the storm. That's why you Mm got to hold out. Um, Before we get into, you know, your dad and and the possibility of a part, and I I do want to talk a little, you know, what's going on in this country science-wise, because you are a doctor, medical doctor. Um, as you are watching us hit this, I don't know what wave of COVID, um, I'm not optimistic that it's going to end anytime soon. What are your thoughts on where we are uh, as a nation? Well, I'm, I'm not um, a virologist. And, um, you know, the safest thing to say is listen to the CDC. Now, they happen to be changing their tunes a lot, but I think the virus is, is changing the tune for them. So they, they have to follow what the virus does. Um, you know, obviously the virus, um, the vaccine is, is one way of solving the problem. I think all the other things need to be followed, you know, such, such as masks and such as social distancing, hand washing, etc. Right. And, uh, you know, taking care of your general health. So you're a surgeon? Right? Yes, I'm a surgeon. When was the last time you were in the operating room? I'm retired. I've been retired now for two years. Okay. Oh wow. That's that. So last time I saw you, you were still. So what have you? What are you doing in retirement? What, I'm relaxing, is... taking it easy, walking the dogs, swimming, etc. <laughs> Reading a lot though. <laughs> You're leaning in. You're leaning into your retirement. All right. Well, congrats. Enjoying it. Enjoying it. I see it. You do look relaxed. You do look very re- well rested. <laughs> All right. Um, last week was um your father's birthday. Um, yep. and after all of these years, he's, he's still on the books as a, as a felon, you know, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. talk about the effort. I thought during Barack Obama's administration, which I think it was last time you were on Barack Obama was president. Uh, yes. we thought that he would get pardoned. There were rumblings that, uh, the, the other president would pardon him as, you know, as a way to say he's not racist, but he did not. Um, right. what's the movement now? Well, it's a continuation of the same movement, if you will. And, um, you know, we, we have a Democratic uh, our president, and um, certainly he was elected because of uh, Black votes, uh, certainly in the Carolinas. And uh, in some sense, um, um, he has stated that he wants to rectify the injustices. Um, um, he, uh, I think he said that relative to what happened with George Floyd. And of course, the other injustices that we know so well that have been perpetrated over the years um, on the streets and, 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 you know, all over in the boardrooms everywhere. So um, we, we are hopeful that um, Obama's, that uh, Biden is more receptive than Obama. And so we, have, um, we are re-engineering the process, if you will, in terms of, um, uh, you know, bringing a petition uh, to President Biden asking him to, to use his privilege, which is a posthumous pardon, to exonerate my dad, because we have all the, the facts. 
which we presented again before to, to President Obama, former President Obama, you know, gone over by many different lawyers and a specific uh, law firm that we have in, in Washington, D.C., Aiken Gump. So it's plain, it's there, it's one, two, three, four. Um, uh, there was no evidence, there was an empty envelope, there was perjured witness, um, uh, 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 the judge was hostile, and uh, all white jury, and on and on and on. There's, there's so many, um, you, you know, miscarriages of justice that, that um, basically um, it, it was uh, a political trial that was out to destroy Marcus Garvey, who was leading the, the largest black organization ever still, you know, more than six million uh, followers at that time. So, so there, there was, um, you might say, an effort uh, to destroy him and his organization, which was uplifting um, African people or black people, if you will, in the United States and worldwide. And that organization, the UNIA, and I'm reading um, Blood in My Eye, uh, George Jackson, he talks about revolution and how uh, the threat level of, of revolutionaries like your father, what how you know how threatening they are is by what, you know, the response that power uh, exacts upon them. And so your father uh, was obviously a threat to the, to the structure, the power structure in America and probably globally because he was doing things all over the world to galvanize folk from. We were just talking about in class with Car Panama, Jamaica, of course, you know, and just kind of bringing people together um, and had some opposition here. Uh, from black folk. I brought up W.B. Du Bois. I, I think they used him, uh, he and A. Philip Randolph and others, to discredit and undermine. How do we deal with the, the Judases among us? Well, um, you know, that's a little bit of a harsh word uh, to characterize those two uh, gentlemen. Certainly we do have Judases. But I, I think it's fair to say that at that time, there was a marketplace of ideas for which, you know, African-Americans I, I, I like to use African-Americans rather than black. Black is a color, African-American is, is a culture and a history. So African-Americans at that time were, you know, post-slavery and, and post-World uh, War I, where they had been fighting for democracy. They had moved up from the South uh, to the North in order to, to, to get jobs in, in, the, in the war effort and the post-war effort, but they were still being lynched, uh, et cetera. And the question was, you know, after 250 years of slavery and, and, and chattel slavery, what does it mean to be free? As quotes an African person, but whose, whose history, whose culture, whose name, whose belief systems, whose traditions are all taken away. Now, I submit to you that Marcus Garvey was beginning to supply those needs of identity and self-reliance. Whereas, you know, some of the other groups um, uh, on the left, they were looking to the socialists and the communists. That's the African Blood Brothers, and to some extent, A. Philip Randolph with the trade union movement and, and socialism. And then to the right, if you will, was W.B. Du Bois and the NACP and the sort of gradualism um, wanting to merge uh, with the system that had finished enslaving us. So that was the spectrum. And, and, you know, the people wanted an identity, people wanted jobs, they wanted self-respect. So they flocked to the, the Garvey ideology, if you will. And, and that created, you know, hostility between groups because a lot of not just the people were flocking to Marcus Garvey, but the money, <laughs> because he was able to buy ships, he was able to finance his organization, the Liberia Project, and so many, many, many businesses. I mean, they employed over a thousand people in, in New York. 
and in, in, in the Liberty Hall and all the different restaurants, the publishing company, the millinery, et cetera, et cetera, that they had. So people wanted jobs and they wanted self-respect and they were going along with the idea of, of you know, independence. You know, we, we have a history, we have a culture, we have an identity, we're African and my, my dad gave them that. I'm curious, do you think that he would have been as successful today? Like here we are a hundred years later, it's a totally different ball game, right? Like so much of what he was doing was, you know, black people really didn't have options, right? Like we, we are pre really this integration. Of course, this is what Du Bois initially pushing for. He comes around later, but we're in a different place right now. And I, you know, I, I look to a lot of his ideals in, in terms of this like self-sufficiency, but I also know that a lot of people now are in this place where, you know, we, we are there, we're, we're not really there, right? We're still not seen as equal. We really don't have equity in any of these institutions that we fought so hard to get into, but we're not completely shut out of the door where I think people would be more amenable to this idea of like, let's just wholesale build our own thing. Like, how do you think Marcus Garvey would move today in this quote unquote integrated society? Well, yeah, he would be doing the same thing because while things have changed, they've stayed very much the same. And if, if, you, if you, you look at the system in, in general, the, the system has, has stayed the same. It's an elitist system. You know, and so you, you, you'll find that, that overall, it's the top 5% of, of the people, whatever the people are, that are the wealthiest and all, all of the wealth. And, and, and the, the other you know, um, 90% or 95% or whatever on the rest, you, you know, the top 5% own 80% or more, and the 90% own the other 20%. So it, it's, it's a top-down uh, uh, system, which is not egalitarian, which is not democratic. And, you know, but, but there's a lot of icing on the cake, and there's a lot of, of propaganda. And, and, and this is what people have bought. Now, just take a look at, at the Afghanistan war. We have been there for 20 years, and I think we've spent a trillion dollars of, 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 our, of our capital in Afghanistan. And what, what, what have we changed? You see, that's the system that people are, are buying into. And don't forget, Martin Luther King said the same thing in regards to the Vietnam War. What are we doing over there? Of course, you know, Muhammad Ali said, you know, none of those brown people ever call me nigger. So he wouldn't go. But Martin Luther King put it in the economic sense. And he says, look, we're wasting our treasure over there killing people. Why don't we use that money to transform the society so that we do have genuine equality and democracy? So a lot of people are buying into the, the talk, mm. okay? And, and what is on the surface, but the, the, the structure has not changed. We, we have the same lip service to, to democracy. And if you look at, at what has happened around the world, uh, whether it's, it's, it's in Libya, where we participate in the destruction of the company, of the country, because we wanted to get rid of Gaddafi. Now, it, you know, it's been blown apart. Uh, and you have warlords over the place. Same thing in Syria, the same thing in Yemen. And, and you know, the same, the same thing uh, in, in, in Iraq. Now, the same thing in Afghanistan. Now, something is wrong with that system, I suggest to you. So wanting to buy into that system is, is part of a miseducation. And you can go back to Carter G. Woodson, 1933 and 1934. Um, 
when when if he was talking about the miseducation miseducation of the Negro. And, and he was saying, you know, if we are being taught the, the very same ideas, you know, whether, whether it's in, in the religion or it's in the philosophy and whatever text, textbooks and, and the values of the people who enslaved us and brutalized us for 400 years, and we are being taught that we're being then miseducated because if, you know, we'll always be going to the back door because that's what the system has told us to do. And as he said, if there's no back door, we'll make one. So a lot of people are happy to sit at the table, but they have no power sitting at the table. They just continue to do what the system says to do. Jeez. And if you look at President Barack Obama, he was a prisoner of the system. He was a black man, but he was no different from a white man in the same position. He couldn't change the system. And I'm not saying that to say anything against him because he was you know, an agreeable representation of the system. But he could not go up there as a president and say, okay, I'm going to do this for my people and lift them out of the situation that they're in, helping to rebuild communities. He could not say, I'm going to give my people reparations. Now we have reparations in the Congress. Let's see how far that will go. Mm, we already know. Dr. Julius Garvey is here, um, son of Marcus Garvey. You you navigated the education system, the very system that you're talking about. Um, how did you get through it? Um, and how Im impactful was it having Marcus Garvey as your father kind of looming uh, as you went through to go to undergrad, graduate school, medical mm -hmm. school, to come out, you know, um, and practice as a doctor, uh, as a surgeon in this country? Mm -hmm. What helped you get through? Well, you know, my, my, my father said, you know, that God and nature, you know, first makes us what we are. And then out of our own creative genius, we make ourselves what we want to be. So, you know, I definitely took that to heart in terms of creating myself for, for what I thought was best for me. So, you know, I, I was able to go through the educational systems, but I was able to go through it uh, with a critical eye. It wasn't simply a matter of, of memorization, you know, of facts and then passing an, an exam. Of course, that was a part of it because you had to do that. But I, I was always critical of the facts that I was learning because I came from a background that told me that there were alternative facts. And in other words, civilization didn't begin with the Greeks. It started in Kemet with African people, you know, so about 4,000 BC, and there was no such thing as Greece, and you know, the Europeans were still in caves, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I had that as a background. So I, I did not go there with any feeling of inferiority that you know, the university had all the answers and all I had to do is, is memorize what they were giving me. But, you know, as you go along, I mean, there are obstacles, you know, whether it's with the professors or when you ask questions, that they don't like the questions that you ask, etc. Or later on, you know, in terms of practicing your profession, certain patients don't, don't want you to treat them or certain of, of, of your um, colleagues don't respect you, etc., etc. The system doesn't respect you. So, you know, you have to deal with that. And, you know, that's part of the, 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 the cross that we bear, so to speak as you know, uh, African people in, in a, an environment and a society that devalues us. Tell, tell us uh, a patient that didn't want Julius Garvey to, to operate on him. No, nah, I don't want to go through that. Okay, all right, that's fair. Um, but I, mean, I just find it interesting that somebody that is trained and learned as you are, somebody would say no uh, to getting the best treatment. But yeah, that welcome happens, to America. That happens all the time, my dear. I, you know, that happens regularly. All right. So justice for Garvey, the number four, 
Garvey, uh, to grant a pardon to your dad for the trumped up charges that he was that that uh, got him deported. What will that do for his legacy, for his memory? Because most of us remember Garvey as as a great figure in history. None of that has tarnished uh, him. So what is a pardon going to do? Okay, but Justice for Garvey is, is the Twitter account. Some people don't have Twitter accounts, but I'll give an alternate site to go to. But um, uh, what it does is that it, it helps uh, the United States to, to correct um, uh, uh, an injustice that has festered for a hundred years and, and a known injustice that everybody around the world knows is an injustice. So, so that America is a global power and, and you cannot continue to face um, the, the rest of the world at this point in time uh, when you know, we, we have you know, 1.2 billion uh, African people and, and the United States wants to influence them favorably. When you have Marcus Garvey down on your books as a criminal when he was innocent. And so that there's a problem then with the judiciary uh, system or the justice system of America dealing with uh, African people all over the world, let alone in the United States. You know, and what it does in terms of Marcus Garvey is that it removes that aura of criminality uh, from his name. Uh, but you must remember that Marcus Garvey is honored all over the world. Um, uh, he's the first national hero in his native country, Jamaica. He is a, a hero of the Organization of American States, which the United States of America is also part of it. But he was given the, the title of, 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 of hero um, back in 2009. And his statue stands there next to Simon Bolivar. He has statues and streets and parks named after him all over the world, in, in England, in Africa, in the Caribbean, here in the United States. So there's a problem there with that picture, I think, for, the, the, for Americans. Um, to look at African people and say, you know, in our country, Marcus Garvey is a criminal. There's a hypocrisy there if it's not corrected. So I think on both counts, um, this needs to be rectified. Do you think that will help? I know Karen was saying a lot of us, you know, see him as this great leader, as this visionary. Um, and I think that's 100% true. But I, you know, I'm, I'm still stuck on like, how do we move the people yeah. that are just happy to get the seat at the table even though they don't have power? Like how do we shake them up so that they see that the system has never changed? Like, is, is this part of it? Is this, you know, secondary to some other thing that we need to be doing? What, what are we supposed to do? I think this is, this is part of it. You know, it's a general, like I say, a miseducational system. So we need to counter that with an educational system. Again, you know, we have all the media at, at our disposal at this point in time, all that Marcus Garvey had. And his time was, was basically his speaking voice and a platform and, and the newspaper, the Negro world. And he was able to communicate with 6 million people at least. Now, you know, you, you and I have all sorts of uh, uh, technology, you know, the, the internet of things and so on, where everything is, is, is connected. We have all kinds of uh, nanotechnology and, um, um, you know, um, and, and other things to be able to social media to be able to communicate with each other. And I think you find that a lot has been happening in the lockdown because people have been using a lot of social media. I've gotten all kinds of things that have come through in, in terms of our own history, which you don't get in classrooms. And, and this is gonna be particularly important because as you know, there, 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 there's a big fight about 
the type of education that our kids should get here in America. Some people still don't want to face the truth. So we have to take that educational process into our own hands and we have to make sure that at least our children, our people know the truth. So we can stand up in any situation, any event at any time and, and, and speak truth to power. And that's important, you know, because again, we have been miseducated and, and you know, we've absorbed a lot of that and negativity. So, you know, to a large extent, a lot of us don't like ourselves, we don't like each other, but, but that, that has to, 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 to be changed. And the only way to change it is a mass educational effort, if you will, <laughs> like post-slavery when everybody wanted to go to school, all, all the black people wanted to go to school, you, you know, to learn to read and write because they had been deprived for so long. I think we've been deprived of the right education and it's up to people like you and I to, to re-educate us and, and, you know, have the kind of, of media that we can talk to each other and, you know, we can go back historically and give dates and give, a, um, uh, you know, uh, stories and, and tell our own stories in terms of, you know, who we are and what we are and, and so on. And, um, you know, that, that's why it's important now you, you see certain, you know, uh, TV and movies and so on being shown that weren't being shown, let's say, 10 years ago. So, so we have to get involved with, 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 with um, the, the television and streaming and all of the other things so that we write our own stories and we tell our own stories and we see ourselves in the media. You know, I'm tired of seeing us as step and fetch it or somebody who is helping some other white person get over, you know what I mean? And we're not the center. I mean, I'm the center of my world. That's you right. know, I'm not the center of, of a white person's world. I'm the center of my world. And I need to see that reflected. Well, so Andrea, I think that's true for all of us. Andrea Williams is doing that. Her, her latest book is Baseball's Leading Lady, uh, F a Manly in the Rise and Fall of the Negro Leagues. And of course, um, we're here with Julius, Dr. Julius. Um, Garvey, you were seven when your dad left uh, transition, uh, became an ancestor. What do you remember? Because you were very young. What to give us something that we had wouldn't you know we wouldn't know uh, about Marcus Garvey? A memory that you may have of him. Well, maybe you wouldn't know that he used to take me to the movies. Maybe you wouldn't know that he'd buy me ice cream and chocolate. Maybe you wouldn't know that he'd play, um, you know, um, throw snowballs at me in the backyard. This was in England because we we left England and came back to Jamaica and left him there. So he died in England when I was back in Jamaica. But we spent two or three years in England and, you know, my brother got arthritis in his knee. So we had to go back to the warm climate. So, you know, those are just those, you know, childish what, memories. What movie? Uh, what movie did you and Marcus oh, no, Garvey? I could, I could never remember that. So, no, no, no way. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it was 1940, by the way. Um, yeah. So By the way, I have, I have trouble remembering yesterday. So no, that, that's <laughs> I'm not going to remember the, the movie I saw when I was five. My my dad, my mom used to, my grandmother used to go to movies and she named all of her sons after like, and this is weird, oh, wow. right? So my father's named after uh, Donald, um, I can't remember now, one of the actors there, George Raft and, oh, you know, oh, yeah. so he, she, Melvin, you know, some. Do, do, you have a hum, do you have a Humphrey Bogart? No, no Humphreys, no Humphreys, no, but <laughs> everybody was named after some white man uh, that was in a movie. <laughs> Which is, you know, it's interesting because that's all we had to see. So I was just curious yeah, what that you was the entertainment, right? Might have watched um, in 1940, but um, so so what do we have to do, the listening audience, to get your dad uh, pardoned? What what can we do? Well, you you gave the the Twitter account, which yeah. was Justice 
for Garvey, which is justice, the, the number for Garvey. But it's important to really go to the, the White House and, you know, contact, um, which is uh, whitehouse.gov, you know, black, backslash contact, where, where you can uh, actually write to President Biden, connect to the link to President Biden, and ask him to exercise his right for the, the, the posthumous uh, pardon to, to clear uh, Garvey's name. So, so that basically is, you know, www.whitehouse.gov backslash contact. All right, we're going to do that. And I'll, I'll actually write a sentence Please, or two if, yes, uh, that we can cut and paste because we don't that. do well freelancing, right? So we should have like the one tight sentence that we can yeah. all cut and paste at to that address. I'm going to take up the, the challenge to do that during the break. Wonderful. Um, Appreciate that very much. Yes. And I'm, I'm happy to see you smiling and I'm happy to oh, see yeah. you healthy. Oh, yeah. Life is good. <laughs> yes. I see you. I see you, Dr. Julius Garvey. You are enjoying your retirement and I'm happy for it. Now let's get your dad pardoned and that'll make me even more happy. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.